0: My guest today has been called a master of persuasion. She's been a mechanical engineer at Fortune 500 chemical companies, worked in real estate and construction with many other ventures along the way, and is now coaching executives around the world. She is also the author of the best-selling book, Rescue Me, which is all about how to save yourself and your sanity when things go wrong in business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and calling in from Virginia, Annette Comer. Annette, welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Liz. Oh, this is so great. Can't wait to talk with you and your guest. Thank you so much. Annette, you spent 20 years in the corporate world before reinventing yourself a few times over and becoming a full-fledged entrepreneur. You held many roles in a lot of different companies. So share with us where you worked and what you did. Fill us in a bit on those 20 years. When I graduated college, I graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering. I immediately went
1: into a Fortune 50 company and went into a project engineering role. Over the next 20 years, I went through many positions, actually elevated to the top paid woman in the corporation, as well as many leadership roles, and got to really polish those skills. But along the way, I got the entrepreneur itch, and I was curious as to what that might look like. So on weekends and evenings, I started my first retail storefront. Then as years went by, I started a second retail storefront in a nearby city. I was entrepreneur by evening and weekend, and I was a corporate woman during the day.
0: Not only have you been hugely successful increasing sales and revenue with many of the companies that you worked for, you hold two patents, New York peppermint patty and Frito-Lay chips, which I might add are two of my favorite things. What are the patents for and how did that come about?
1: The patents were for polypropylene film. Let's start with the York peppermint patty. That metalized shiny surface, that is the one that I invented and got patented. And then on the Frito-Lays, if you look at the bags that have the opaque, like the white look to them, that's like the potato chip bags. That's to protect the sun from degrading the oils in the potato chips. That's why they're opaque. And I hold the patent on that one. That happened about midway through my career. As I advanced, I was actually in the R&D group, developed those products, got the patents, and then actually moved on to actually taking over and managing that R&D group with all its production lines associated with that. And it was kind of interesting, Liz, because when I got that patent, I was the only person in the R&D group that did not have a PhD. And I got two patents. You're talking about biting some people. That didn't go well. I had to go into a war to get those because some of my colleagues wanted to share them with me. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you didn't do any of this work. Well, you don't have a PhD. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> so I ended up going to DC and spent two weeks working with a patent attorney to get these things nailed down. And, but I laughed afterwards because I was a bulldog. I wasn't giving them up. <laughs> but anyway.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there are many stories along the way. I wanna take you back to high school first. You won awards in math and physics and English, which probably would lead someone into the engineering field, but I can't imagine that there were too many women who were becoming mechanical engineers at that time when you got your degree. What propelled you to choose that profession initially at all? And you're right, there wasn't many. I think in my graduating class, I was one of five female
1: engineers out of 150 graduating students. So I was definitely the minority. You know, when I was a kid and through those early development years, I really enjoyed taking things apart and putting them back together. Other people would be playing with dolls and that kind of thing. I would be the one taking the radio apart or the whatever apart and seeing, you know, if I could put it back together and still make it work. And it was in my uh, sophomore year that I was at a, a turning point because I started out as a physics major. And listen to this, you're going to love this. So when I started off as a physics major, I started there uh, because I was really good in physics and that whole math thing, and then midway I thought, "This is way too nerdy," so, so I went into engineering, <laughs> <laughs> which is one less degree of nerd, perhaps. But and a professor kind of guided me that way. He kind of said, "Well, you know, have you thought about engineering?" And, I, and of course, you know, at that time you're 20 years old and you think, "Ah, eh, you know, I don't know much about it." And and then we started doing the elimination game and got to mechanical engineering, and I never looked back.
0: No, in fact, and it led you on to that amazing career that you talked about a moment ago. You were a top-level executive, one of the highest paid in the company, and you walked away from it all because of a pretty significant incident that happened. Someone came into the workplace with a loaded gun. What happened, and how did that change the trajectory of your career? You know, it changed
1: everything, and it changed everything not in the way most people would think. It certainly was shocking, Okay, because you, know, you feel uh, a sense of lack of safety and that type of thing. But I had already experienced that in corporate. Being an only woman in so many roles, I'd already been cornered in the break room and tried to be you know, groped. And, and I'd already you know, had come close to being raped in Canada by a sales guy that came into the room and pushed his way in. and So those kind of things had already happened to me as being a very minority type situation. So you would think that the loaded gun would kick somebody off the path, but that wasn't what kicked me off the path. The the kick me off the path was the tremendous sense of betrayal that I felt from my corporate managers. These are men that I had walked side by side with, had led by and felt that I was in the old boys network. I realized the way that situation unfolded that I wasn't in the old boys network. It was a sense of betrayal. So what it did, it sent me off onto a different path because I became so disillusioned with the corporation and I interviewed many other corporations and got offers, but I sat in the loneliness of my home office and said, it's the same tune, just different radio station. And then, so I decided to open my international consulting business and then I never went back to corporate. I chose to serve them from a different position.
0: And it sounds like it really kind of pushed you back down that entrepreneurial path, which you kind of had in your blood anyway, even from childhood. I remember reading in your book about selling candy bars and cupcakes to your neighbors as a <laughs> child. So, I mean, you've had kind of this entrepreneurial thing going through you from a very young age. I just finished reading your best-selling book, Rescue Me, How to Save Yourself and Your Sanity When Things Go Wrong. And it's all about when things did go wrong with one of your ventures with your brother, and you nearly lost Everything. I did. Oh man. But the lessons. (laughs) You can feel it. Yes, I did. (laughs) But what struck me too, Annette, was the lessons contained in this book seem so timely right now with so many businesses trying to figure out how to stay afloat because of this pandemic. And you share what you call your secret weapons, your five methods of how to deal with things when they go wrong in life. Can you briefly outline those five methods? Because I think it might spark in some people's brains, hey, maybe I can turn this around. Maybe I can save my business. You've done it and maybe they can too. I'll touch on the key things
1: that I, that I touch on in the book. And for those that haven't read the book, the challenge in that book was not only the business challenge that we find ourselves in today, but the fact that I was in it with a family member. Yeah. So now I'm trying to protect and salvage a relationship with a brother as long as a business relationship that I have so much finances tied up in. And I know many of your listeners find themselves in that same place today. There were several lessons from that. One is that don't lose sight of what is important. Don't sacrifice the family relationship because of the fear. So that means you've got to step into a greater version of yourself. We used humor a lot to the point that it became the way we coped with the immense stress that we felt doing simple things like calling each other silly names. We almost had made a game of it. We also went back to our roots of things that our mother taught us and simple sayings that we clung to as we moved through the challenge. And then we used something what I called O-Boy, oh which is just like it's spelled, O-B-O-Y. And this is how we started to focus our work. We started to look for opportunities. We looked for the barriers to those opportunities, the options to get around those barriers and then what the yield would be. That was critical because now we went after things that other people weren't going after. We did things other people weren't willing to do. And of course, with those, there was much more yield. And so those listening, if you find yourself in those difficult business situations, you got to certainly step back and do that exercise. Where are the opportunities? What are the barriers? And the greater the barriers, the less competition there's going to be there.
0: It's such a great lesson throughout the entire book, and I really encourage people to read it. Not only is it an easy read, but it also is so filled with many lessons, and I love the sayings from your mama throughout the whole thing. It's really (laughs) great. And all of these reinventions that you've had along the way, and and now consulting and executive coaching, You know, at some point, all of us need rescuing from something in life. And the bottom line of this book really comes down to self-empowerment which is really now your mission, especially empowering women in business. And this is what you say on your website. You have said that business is a game, a game that women play extremely well when they know the ins and outs of the rules of play. Can you explain what you mean by that? It's something that I get
1: very passionate about. So if I get to going on too long, you cut me off. Okay, Okay. (laughs) because this is a hot one for me. Those rules of the game became really forefront for me as I tried to figure out what happened way back in that corporate setting that I'd mentioned to you, where I walked away from corporate. When I realized the problem was that I felt betrayed because I didn't understand the rules of the game. So I made it my mission for like the next ten years to really dig in. I had had a perfect Catsburg seat because I was working with all these executives, and I could see what men were doing versus women. What I found was something that we all know is that business is operated by male standards. It has been that way for decades. Right or wrong, they have played the game, we haven't been in it. But the second most important thing is that men view business as a game. That's why you'll hear them say things like, it's just business. Because to them, it's not a personal thing. It it is a game with winners and losers and rules and strategies. So women come into that arena. With all the the moxie, they have the education, they love to work hard, they have all the things they need, except they don't have the mindset of recognizing that it is a game. And that like any game they play with their children, there are rules, there are strategies, there are skills that you need. And when you make that shift in how you view the business world, everything changes because now you show up differently.
0: It's really extraordinary when you think about the differences. And I know that you coach this too, as do I, that there are differences in how we view the world, how we look at business, how we view networking, how we view relationships, all of it. But when we can learn how the other side plays the game <laughs> and vice versa, men learn how we play the game. I mm-hmm. think that that maybe, is, is that how we move the dial on all of this, Annette? It is.
1: And Boy, the opportunity now is greater than it's ever been, Liz. And I'll tell you why. The global model right now is changing drastically. And the global model of doing business is centered around three things. It's centered around relationships, integrity, and authenticity. Guess what? Women are masters at that. They've been playing that game for a long time. Indeed. So if they are willing to step forward as leaders, and learn what the rules of the male standards are and develop some of these skills, they can now move in and teach men how to play this new model because they don't know, this is this is hard for them. The <laughs> men don't know how to play in this space of relationships and integrity and authenticity. It's So we're needed now more than ever.
0: What I find fascinating also, Annette, is when you think back to 20 plus years ago, 30 years ago, when you were in that corporate world, how that was a completely different mindset. It was not about the quote-unquote emotional intelligence or soft skills. It was all sort of hard as nails. That's my word for it. But it really was kind of just an entirely different approach to what's happening today. What do you attribute that change? I think it's due to maybe two or three things. I
1: think the change is happening now because for the first time, we have been brought to our knees as a global entity. In that, there is a period of reflection that makes people look and say, what has been working and what's not working? So that in itself provides opportunity. The second thing is happening. If men will admit it, I think they're tired. I think they're tired of trying to carry it all. And of course, there are some men that are going to be, you know, alpha males that are really bullies. And, and but you know, that's, that statistically is going to happen. But I think the majority of men that I encounter, they welcome women to be able to step forward and bring some balance because they are tired of trying to do it all. So I think those are the two things that have shifted.
0: You've been recognized as the Women of the Year by the National Association of Professional Women and founded the World's Greatest Academy for Women to really help women navigate this world, learn the rules of the game. It must be so exciting to work with these women and to see the transformation, to see the progress that they make after learning the rules, and then going back into their corporations and seeing the levels of achievement. It is.
1: Of all the, the wonderful accomplishments I've had during my journey, probably this academy is one of the, the things that I've gotten the greatest satisfaction from, not only to see the transformation, but to, to confirm what I suspected, which is when you give capable women this missing piece they become exponential in their ability to succeed as leaders. It's like Katie barred the doors." the old saying used to go get out of the way because they are coming through and they now do it with finesse. They do it with class. They aren't stressed. They become untouchable, which is so satisfying for where I am in my point, my journey.
0: You have many mantras for women, and they're actually some of the same ones that I share <laughs> with my female clients, which are be focused, be fearless, and be fierce, be seen, be respected, be heard, which leads me to your podcasts. You have two, one that is just launched and one that's about to launch. Tell us about both of these shows, Annette.
1: Okay. I'd love to. Thank you for this opportunity to share this. The first one that has just launched is something called Achieve and Thrive. It is where leadership meets authenticity. And I am co-hosted in that podcast by a woman that is an authenticity expert, a therapist. She's been in private practice for 20 plus years in the New York and Miami area. And she brings a perspective that is incredible in terms of how you tie in that authentic piece with the leadership piece, which is where I'm the expert in. We've done a little something different with that podcast. It's not an interview format. It is a teaching format. Each episode, we bring a question to the forefront and then we roll out the information to clarify that question and and do a teaching to our audience And we explore that question over four episodes. So we're excited because we're approaching topics that never get brought to the forefront. For example, is it dangerous for women to lead from a place of love? We want to do that. We want to lead from that heart-centered place. Mm, Is that dangerous or is that the wise move? So we dig into those types of topics. Things like, why are we underestimated as women leaders? What are we doing? The second podcast, which will launch the later part of July, is called The World's Greatest Women. The story begins here. And that we will showcase women around the world that are truly some of the world's greatest women leaders and use that in a story format to help the audience not only understand how they have maneuvered, but also be a source of inspiration to know that there is a way to walk that path and win and not burn yourself out.
0: Exactly, (laughs) That's that's the important piece. As you look back over your career and your reinventions, what are the lessons that you bring forward now for yourself personally as you think about what it means to you to live your best life?
1: Resilience, perseverance, and probably the biggest one is to not let yourself come from a place of fear. To trust in something greater than yourself that will help lead you. For me, it's my intuitive side that's led through my faith. For someone else, it may be something else, but I am 100% in belief that there is something greater than us. It is a force, it's a universal force that if we just get out of our own way and trust a little bit and let go a little bit, it is there. And it's hard for us. The more driven we are, And the more type A personality and the alpha female and male, the harder it is to do that. But when you do that, oh, my gosh, you start to live the best life you've ever had, because now you're not fighting against the universe.
0: Well, it sure sounds like you're having fun in life. You're living your best life in the quiet mountains of Virginia when you're not traveling the globe, because I know you go all over the world with your adventures. (laughs) It's so delightful to speak with you today, Annette, and so appreciate you sharing your story about you know, just how you've maneuvered through these challenges in your lifetime, particularly in business and being a woman for that matter.
1: Thank you, Liz. And I, I'll share one last thought. You know, so often we as individuals say to ourselves, well, I can't do that. My blessing and my curse has been, I've never thought I can't do that. So I, sometimes I'll get in the middle of something and I'll think, "What was I thinking? Oh my gosh!" But I'd start off something saying, "Well, of course, why somebody else has done? Why can't I do it?" And that is something that people really need to be careful about. It's kind of that old saying that our mothers told us if you can, you can't, and if you think you can't,
0: you can't. It's very true, and I'll share one story with you and our listeners, which is that as I was entering my television career and was asked to do various things, including the weather. And I just would say to myself, just because I haven't done something before does not mean I can't. I just have to try. And that mantra has served me well over many, many years in life in general.
1: And you've become a beautiful role model for that,
0: Liz. Well, and as have you, Annette. Really, truly just delightful to have you on the show today. If you'd like to learn more about Annette, I truly invite you to take a spin on her website. It's AnnetteComer.com. That's A N N E T T E C O M E R, AnnetteComer.com. Annette, Annette, thank you for joining me today. <laughs> thank you so much, Liz. It's such a pleasure. And may the stories that you hear on this show inspire all of you to take that chance. Know that you too can reinvent and recreate your life to live your best life, whatever that means for you. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud, and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.